Get on Team Shaq with WinBet. We're playing parlays, boosting odds, and laying the wildest prop bets. Don't miss another game. Download the WinBet sports betting app today. Sign up today and win $200 in free bets when you place a $10 first-time wager on a straight bet or parlay. That's $200 that you can use for all the upcoming basketball action, including the men's basketball tournament. If you bet at least $500 during the first and second round of the tournament, you can get a trip to the five-star rated Win Las Vegas. Offer subject to change, terms, and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in a state where playthrough winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Introducing Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer. Blending the smooth, creamy nitro taste of Guinness with hints of coffee, chocolate, and caramel. Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer, your new favorite part of the day. Look for it where Guinness is sold. Must be 21 and over to purchase. Please enjoy responsibly. Diageo Beer Company, New York, New York. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the That's So Mess Pod. This is episode number 10. We have hit double digits. We're excited because Steve Cohen has been approved by the MLB Owners Committee, and I'm going to ask Joe in a second what that means. But as always, I'm your host, Connor Rogers, and joining me is my co-host, as always, Joe DeMeo. So some Mets news trickling in. It feels like we get a little bit of Mets news to chew on each week. Nothing too major, but this one could be a big deal as we wait for it to officially be set in stone that Steve Cohen owns the Mets one step closer. Joe, how are we doing? And tell me, what does this mean for the New York Mets? We're doing all right, Connor. Football sucks. Um, it's <laughs> yes, this, it does. <laughs> it's, it's uh, baseball time again, really quickly. Um, but honestly, I think this is really fun with this ownership thing. I know I've seen your tweets and seen people talking how frustrated they are at the process that's taking so long and you know what what's what are all these steps. Frankly, I don't really know. <laughs> like I'm learning with you guys. I haven't gone through an ownership change yet. Uh, this is the first time for me too. But uh, Thornton McHenry, who you heard on this uh, very podcast eight episodes ago, seven episodes ago, something like that, uh, he put out an article today at the New York Post. So the MLB Ownership Committee, which is eight people, approved Steve Cohen today. And when I first read that, I was like, oh, the owners approved him. We're good then, right? No, I had to read a little more. It's an eight-person committee, so not the full group. And it appears he got a 7-1 vote in his favor. So people are saying that's a good sign. If he got 7-1 here, then he shouldn't have a problem when they go to the full vote. But there's still two more steps left. So the next step is going through the executive committee, which is with the commissioner's office. I don't envision this being an issue. I imagine this will get wrapped really quickly. Rob Manfred has publicly said that he wants to wrap this quickly. So that's really just Manfred's team saying, all right, we're good with it. And the main ownership committee, they're good with it. And then after that, you're at the actual vote of the remaining 29 teams because the Mets by agreeing to sell to Steve Cohen, that makes it their yes vote. Um, I don't know if they have to officially write yes on a piece of paper, but uh, you know, them saying yes to the deal with Steve Cohen and signing the agreement, that's them saying they're good with him being the owner. Obvious. Uh, but we're, we're getting closer, and Andy Martino and others have reported that this is going to transpire sometime shortly after the World Series. 
I have heard a little bit that to expect it this month before this month is over and we're on the 20th of October now. So, you know, we're getting close and whether it's October 27th or October 29th or November 2nd, like I don't care anymore. Like for a while, I really was concerned with like the dates on all these things. I was like, oh, well, what's the exact date that he's going to get approved? I know it's coming really soon. I don't really care anymore about the exact date. The reality is them implementing Sandy Alderson early on as the team president basically covers them a little bit. So even if, let's just say, November 1st is when he gets approved, just to put a date on it, we'll be past the World Series. We'll be at the point where qualifying offers need to be extended and you know you have to make a some organizational decisions, I think Sandy Allerson will just handle the early on organizational decisions while they figure out who's going to be the day-to-day baseball operations person, whether that's GM by title or vice president of baseball operations, or they could name, they can name it whatever they want. The title doesn't matter, but there's going to be a person that handles the day-to-day of baseball operations. Sandy Allerson is not going to be doing that. He's the president of the team. He's going to oversee baseball operations and oversee finance and all the other parts of the organization as well. So we're we're getting there. We're getting really close. Uh, and I'm learning, like all of you, what all these damn approvals mean, what this committee is and that other committee. And then the owners are voting a second time. I don't know. But we're getting close. <laughs> It's pretty clear there's there's quite a few steps. You know, obviously this doesn't mean it's official, but we're we're trending in that direction. Um, you know, we've been brought up at this point where it would be a huge letdown if anything happens that stops Cohen from getting the team. Uh, don't think it'll be a perfect vote. I think there'll be maybe one to three teams that do not vote on Cohen. Jerry Ryan. That doesn't matter. Yeah, Jerry, that's the that's yeah, the big Jerry one Reinsdorf that's publicly is known. Very against Steve Cohen, but Steve Cohen is going to get approved. I'm not I don't yeah. consider this a jinx or anything like that. Don't worry about it, guys. He's going to get approved. What day it'll be, I mean, we don't know. It's not like MLB is going to put out a statement and go, we are conducting the vote on October 29th, and we will let you know how it goes. Like, you're just going to refresh Twitter, and there's going to be a breaking news. Steve Cohen's approved, and that's it, and we'll move on with our lives. Well, I think the the overall reason we're explaining at this point or, or saying that you know, this is trending in the right direction is the point is this is going to get done early, right? Where the money is coming in in time uh, for the Mets to be active this winter. And I think when you look at it, let's be real here, Joe, baseball needs someone like this. It's it without the Mets, you know, if the Mets were run by the Wilpons this year, it would be a even much more quiet free agent market. Let's be real. A lot of teams lost a ton of money because of the revenue this year due to the pandemic there's all kinds of rumors about them making internal cuts to baseball operations across the league. And we've seen the MLB free agent market run hot and cold over the last couple of years. And when it's cold, it is tremendously cold to the point where guys that are major league players are not even getting major league offers. So I don't think this is a year where you expect it to get to go in the right direction, I think you could expect it to go in, in the further poor direction because of what's going on in the world, uh, unfortunately. And, and I think getting the Mets in there, getting someone in there with money uh, that will be one of the you know five to seven big players at the table for not just the top guys like Real Muto, 
but some of the uh, you know medium level guys out there. So I think that's that's got to be part of it. And for the Mets side, something that I want to talk about before we get into fan questions today is this is something that you and I discussed for a very long time before we started the show. Marcus Stroman is a really interesting player for the Mets right now because he has a projected qualifying offer out there that would be $18.9 million for basically a one-year deal next season that we don't know if the Mets are going to extend him that offer. Uh, but I think it would be a really good idea to throw to you, and I'll give my thoughts after on Stroman, but to throw to you what exactly the qualifying offer means in this collective bargaining agreement and if you think the Mets should do this for Stroman and vice versa, should Stroman be a guy that looks to accept almost a twenty, a one-year $20 million deal this winter? The qualifying offer really was kind of implemented to help the small market teams for the most part. Obviously, it's benefited bigger market teams as well, but ultimately it was the Kansas City Royals, if they develop a star player, they're not going to be able to pay him $120 million to stay. That's just not in their market. They're not able to do that. So you make a qualifying offer, which I think is the top 25% or something like that. I think it's... Yeah, it's 125 well, players. Yep. So it's that top percent there. And, you know, you make that offer. And if they accept it, then they get a one-year fully guaranteed $18.9 million. At least that's what it is for this year. Last year it was seventeen nine, I think. So it went up a million dollars this year. So they get a one-year fully guaranteed $18.9 million. If they reject the qualifying offer, then they get to be a regular free agent. You still have the right to re-sign them. So if the Mets were to make Stroman the qualifying offer and he turns them down, that doesn't mean they can't sign him to a three- or four-year deal after the fact. It just means he's not taking that one-year commitment. And if he were to choose to sign with the San Diego Padres, then the Mets would get a compensatory pick after the second round back. Uh, they got this with for Zach Wheeler. When Zach Wheeler went to Philly, they got pick 60, 68 or 69, I think it was. And yeah, so that's kind of how the whole... It's a big yeah, deal. It's a big deal. So that that's kind of how the whole qualifying offer process works. And then as far as how the Mets should handle Marcus Stroman, there is no way that they can not make this offer, in my opinion. I think it has to be done. The Mets right now have... We've talked about this ad nauseum on this show... The Mets have two starters that you could count on for next year, on opening day at least. Noah Syndergaard will be back at some point. I know you've talked about June 1 maybe as a day, but there's Seth Lugo needs to go back to the bullpen. There's To me, there's no debate there. Um, I've been talking about that for a while. He's just he's not a good starting pitcher. And that's okay. You know he's, he's a great reliever, and he's an okay starter. They need to spruce up the bullpen with him because I don't I don't envision them making major bullpen investments. Like I don't think they're going after Liam Hendricks. I just I just don't foresee them spending, you know, 13, 14 million dollars a year on a reliever right now. I don't I I just don't see it. But you need starting pitching. So you should be making this qualifying offer to Stroman and if he takes it, sweet. You got him for one year, 19 million and you got, you know, a solid part of your rotation set up. And if, if he declines the qualifying offer, I'm still trying to bring him back for four years. I want Marcus Stroman in the fold for the next few years. I'm a fan. I think he's a little underappreciated. And a lot of fans getting at, getting after him about opting out this year. Guys, stop saying he quit on his team. Can we just stop with that? Like, give me a break. Like, 
I just I can't do that. I, I can't get behind that stuff. But Strowman Strowman's the guy that I think if you're not going to go get Trevor Bauer, because there's certainly so much stuff coming out out about Trevor Bauer seemingly like every other day that I don't know that it's gonna work in New York. I really don't. And or anywhere, or maybe. or maybe anywhere. Like it's a bigger. That, I know that's, that's a, a bigger bold, conversation. That's a bigger he, conversation. And he's gonna get a. He's gonna get a good role somewhere. He's gonna get a good contract, and he's gonna pitch. He's gonna pitch Great well pitcher. for someone. He's an amazing pitcher. I just don't think New York and Trevor Bauer are a marriage that's exactly meant to be. Like they could have been people that dated for a little bit, but they weren't gonna actually like buy the ring and go through with it. Uh, but Stroman is like I think a perfectly fine three four guy. You plug him in. And as long as he's healthy, he's, you know, reliable for innings. He's been generally healthy throughout his career. Uh, to me, he's a guy that I'd, I'd make a priority to keep because this rotation is in shambles. And I don't think you're in a position to be throwing guys away, in, at, at least as far as starting pitchers go. And at minimum, make the qualifying offer. And if for some reason Stroman wants to pitch in San Diego, maybe he doesn't want to be in New York anymore. Uh, if that if that were to be the case, you would at least get a draft pick for letting him go. Yeah, it's interesting. It's uh, number one. It's a no brainer, right, to extend it to him because, you know, I think on this show, typically and in a lot of sports, we just laugh at one year deals. It's like whatever. It's one year. The money comes off the books next year. It doesn't tie you down. Uh, it would have to be like a one year, like seventy million dollar deal for it to be like, well, now we can't make any other moves. So as you look at it. You know, that's just not a big deal to me for something that is so um, so much of a need for the Mets and so much of a need league-wide. Now, the Stroman side of it is interesting, right? I, I don't know what a what his market's going to look like, right? He's going to be 30 in May, and there is a thought around baseball that smaller pitchers wear down as they get older. And I think when you look at it on the flip side, there's not a lot of good pitchers or even decent ones on the free agent market this year we don't know how the trade market is going to develop for pitching or if teams want to even part with a full, you know cost-friendly players to go get pitching this year so on that side somebody might go out and offer stroman a three-year i don't know what do you think joe 60 mil deal i'm just yeah, spitballing. I, I, but is that realistic right that's not crazy. i don't i don't think that's crazy given the market like if it were a market flush with starting pitching, I think Stroman would get impacted by that because he's not an elite arm. Yeah, like 345 yeah, like, or something Yeah, like, like that. he's not yeah. an elite arm. But there is no question he is the number two starter on this market. Like it's Bauer, Gap, Stroman, Gap. Like there's no question he's no question number two. So if that's the case, he's going to get a little more than maybe he perceived deserves. Like I hate using that word because you – what you sign is what you deserve, whether we like it or not. But yeah, that's something around market. Yeah, value it's market value. It's how it works. It. So like if yeah. uh, three years, four years, something like that in the eighteen to twenty million dollar a year range, wouldn't shock me if that were to be what happened. Yeah, my two cents is that if you extend it, which if you're the Mets, I mean, gone are the days of being really cheap. You should extend this qualifying offer. Uh, get the compensatory pick back. It would be shocking if a guy like Alderson and whoever he puts in front of him, um, you know, to run baseball operations, do not do this. And I think if he takes it, then great, right? You look at it and you go, okay, and now you're going into the year. You have DeGrom and Stroman and Peterson, one, two, three. You're hoping to get Syndergaard back in June to be your number two. 
you know, people always get hurt. It happens. And then you, you're going to go and try to find a number five somehow. But when you subtract Stroman from this equation, it gets dicey very fast. It really does. And it, it goes back into our issue of having Seth Lugo in the rotation because number one, it weakens the bullpen. And number two, we don't know if he's any good long term in the rotation, which is a gigantic question mark. So it's interesting. I would love if this happened. I would also love if the Mets can find a way to sign him on a two to three year deal. Um, you know, we've talked about Bauer on this podcast and there are things with Bauer that do scare me. And I am all for players having personality. I'm all for players having flair. I love all that stuff. I think the Mets have a really good lock, a really good clubhouse. And I think Stroman is part of that. I think he's very well liked. And I think Stroman feeds off the energy in New York. I got to see him pitch live after he got traded here and you could see how fired up of a guy he is. I just I don't know about Trevor Bauer, man. He is a he's a great player. Uh, he has great work ethic. There's no denying that. He's just a wild card as a personality. And on a one year deal, who cares? I'm not convinced that's happening. I, I, don't, I don't think buy Bauer. It. I don't buy right. I'm, I mean, I don't buy he, it anymore. He was the best pitcher in the National yeah, League last year. He's winning the Cy Young. He's winning the Cy. He's Young. winning the Cy so Young. Like, he's not old. Yeah. Right, he's in his prime. I mean, the guy is going to get a mega deal, and I just don't think we're in a market where a team's like, is he? If he came out and said, "Hey, I want a one-year, fifty million dollar deal," like I don't know if anybody would do that. Yeah, this year. I don't. I don't think so. But right, it's crazy. But you could see like one-year, thirty-five, which would put him, you know, yeah. right up there. But like, no, there's there's not a team out there right now that's going to say even for one year to splurge fifty million dollars on him. It's just they're, they're, that money is not there. Like even the Yankees are talking about cutting payroll. So, like, they're, yeah, they're, they're, there's going to be some. It's going to be a bit of a cold stove, uh, I think. Um, at least early on, I think you'll see some action perk up in December and then January. Like, I think it'll be like a couple years ago where November's kind of quiet, which, frankly, for the Mets, works out awesome because they need November to, to find their GM to put together their analytics department to, you know, make their changes. That's what they're going to utilize probably a good percentage of November doing. Um, so if the if the offseason could wait a little bit, that wouldn't be too bad. No, it plays into the Mets' favor. And, you know, when free agency opens, which is there an official date set already? Yeah, it's, it's, like always, time it's, it's always five days after the World Series ends. Okay, mm-hmm. that's easy enough. Wow, love that. It's not like the NFL league year where you're, like, searching for times nope. that, like, Legal tampering opens and then regular uh, yeah. uh, the nope. opens. It's just mayhem. Yep. It's awful. It, so okay, so it, it, things can get going quickly, yep. um, you know. And it's it's bigger. You, you can't be choosers, right? Like I sit here and go, Bauer scares me from the type of uh, volatile human being he is. But he's a great player, and the Mets need great pitching right now. So it's it's tough. It's a really interesting conversation. Um, I'm interested in to see how the Mets address this. It's good that they have the funds to hopefully address this and. If they don't come away with a Bauer or Stroman, they're going to have to get creative, and and hopefully they do. So, uh, you know, it's, it was a good time to dive into that because it's it's going to be a topic, and I, I hope to see Marcus Stroman back in a Mets uniform. But as we've been promising, going to answer uh, more questions than usual, usual on today's show. Got got a pretty good handful of questions here. Going to jump right into them. Always appreciate when you guys send these. Uh, first one is from Steve Dot Miller. State your case for Brody Van Wagnon. Mine. He has some creativity with certain moves, especially the draft. He now has Sandy to help filter some obviously bad moves. That's an interesting take from Steve that I don't disagree with. And I know you and I are 
um, pro moving on from yeah. Brody, but I do think it's a good exercise to make an argument for each side. Yeah. Joe, what would be your case for Brody? Yeah, I, th- I think this is a great question by Steve. Definitely get us thinking, because I think, by all accounts, I believe the Mets are moving on from Brody Van Wagenen, and I don't think there's many that would think otherwise. But what if they don't? What's what's the what's the justification? I think Steve pointed out great the creativity within the draft. As someone that covers the draft, I've been ecstatic with the way it's gone the last couple of years. You know, going for the high ceiling guys, like making sure they get JT Ginn, making sure they get Matt Allen. Like that's exciting to me. So I was all about that. And I always thought if he had a re- like a real budget one <laughs> and then like an actual big budget, like this guy's expertise is in negotiating. So like if he has the ability to, you know, spend and negotiate, I think that plays into his hands. And he's also shown to be aggressive, overly aggressive. Uh, so Sandy could kind of keep him in check a little bit. But if you can add what he's done to help Tommy Tanis and Mark Tremuda in the draft with the aggressive mindset that he generally has, like, Brody acted like a GM that wanted to win. He just had, you know, financial restrictions to go get the star players. Like, he wasn't able to do that. But he, there's no denying he was always trying to make moves that would help the Mets win. So, like, he had a winning mindset, an aggressive mindset. And, yeah, I mean, I think those are kind of the main talking points. Just an aggressive dude that knows how to negotiate, that has relationships with players, drafted well, and now give him Steve Cohen's money. With Sandy Alderson as the safety net, like when he wants to trade a legit prospect for another fourth outfielder, he goes, you're not doing that, Brody. Stop yourself. And uh, yeah, that's kind of how how I look at it. How about you? Yeah. Honestly, what I like about Brody is it seems like he lets his scouts, you know, do their job. I think like I don't think Brody is a guy and I'm talking strictly in the draft. I, I feel like Brody is not a guy that you know, steps in and starts making draft picks. And this might just be me guessing. No, you're right. But I feel like, right? I feel like Brody um, maximizes what his scouts can do. And that's a scout's dream. And I really like that about Brody. And I think he took a mindset to the draft that was not seen in baseball that a lot of teams are going to copy. And I think he deserves credit for that. I really do. And I think we are not going to celebrate it last year we're not going to celebrate it now we're not going to celebrate it next year but if there's a day where Matt Allen and JT Ginn are frontline starters for this team he came up with a creative way to land those guys outside of the first round that's really impressive and it opened the door for the Mets in the first round to go get offense that they desperately needed so that's what I like about Brody now obviously he has gotten pretty destroyed on trades. Oh, yeah. And I, I think Steve did a really good job in that question, you know, emphasizing, hey, you got a guy like Sandy there. Like, think about how many, like if Brody cross-checked every one of the trades he's made with Sandy, knowing how Sandy operates, Sandy says no to almost all of those. Like that's just knowing what we've seen from Sandy. Sandy's not a guy that Sandy is not trading Jared Kellenick for anyone. Let's no. just get that out of the oh, way. But I'm talking yeah. about the little trades. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's hard to make a case for Brody. I think what's frustrating is I would have loved to see Brody hired 
in a consultant role with this team, but he was hired as the GM, and you can't demote him now. That just doesn't no, happen. So this or nothing. Yeah, the, yeah. That, it, that's exactly it. So, you know, hopefully people learn some good things from Brody. Hopefully some people in that building watched the bad things, the inexperienced things from Brody. And, you know, and, and you're bringing in a pro in Alderson that – the reason this Mets team has a core right now that is expected to be competitive, and I know they were a letdown in this bizarro season, but they're expected to be competitive next year, is because Sandy drafted really well. Yeah. I mean, those guys are all Sandy draft picks. So it's exciting. Unfortunately for Brody, you know, it'll be something different for him as the Mets move on. But it, it is a good exercise, and it is a rare chance to give him praise for the Good things he did, even though there was more bad. All right, the next question uh, from at Slug Ox. Who are the Mets going to hire as GM? And do you think there will be one main hire or multiple hires? Wow, really putting us on the spot. Um, so, I, <laughs> Name someone. Yeah, now. I, I don't know who they're going to hire, uh, but really what it comes down to at this point is – what are some kind of rumored names that are being associated with the Mets? And frankly, the only person that's reporting anything on it is Andy Martino over at SNY. And he has indicated three names to at least consider. Uh, we're going to find out, obviously, more names once everything gets official and they actually interview people. But just to put a couple names on your mind, um, Oakland A's assistant general manager Billy Owens, Tampa Bay Rays special assistant Bobby Heck, and Arizona uh, Diamondbacks assistant GM Emil Saude. And what in, interests me about all of these guys is they all have a scouting background. They all have run drafts. And for me, that's that's the route I like to go for GM. Like, I want a guy that has a scouting background because player development and all that is the key to long-term sustained success. And if you hire someone that was their primary job at one point, then they appreciate and recognize the importance of it. A guy like Billy Owens, been with Oakland for a long time. I'm really starting to wonder if he's just going to hang around because there's, you know, word that Billy Bean's leaving baseball and going to join, like, the Red Sox ownership group owns some weird group and, like, Billy Bean might end up involved in, like, English soccer or something. Like, might be a mogul over there. So, like, just some weird change. So, like, if Billy Bean is leaving Oakland, like, it'd be natural for them to promote the the guy that's been there for 19 years and is in one of the most senior positions next to Billy Bean. So I'm not sure if Billy Owens is rushing out that door. But if he is, I'm interested in talking to him. Uh, Bobby Heck, I'm okay with. Uh, He has some scouting background, which is exciting. But I don't know. He's just... To me, like a guy that's a special assistant right now, like he's not in, you know, a significant decision-making type role with Tampa. And do I want him now to come here and make the decisions for the Mets on a day-to-day basis? I don't know. Um, Emil Saude is the one that's really catching my eye. He's a little bit of a younger guy in his low 40s. Uh, So he's not Theo Epstein, who was like 28 years old when he got hired. But, you know, he's in his low 40s, so he's not, not an older guy. And he was famous for the Red Sox drafts, drafting Mookie Betts, you know, drafting a bunch of the star players that you see on the Boston Red Sox. Uh, So he's very interesting to me. Like, if I had to pick from the three, 
I think I might lean Sade, to be honest with you. Um, but we're, go- mm-hmm. we're, we're going to see more names as we go. Um, as far as do I think there'll be multiple, um, they're going to hire multiple like assistant GMs and stuff like that. But that's what every organization does. Uh, but no, I, I think you're going to hire, you're going to have Sandy Olison as team president, and there's going to be one person that is the head of day to day baseball operations. Might be one of these three guys. It might be Jason McLeod from the Cubs. It might be someone we're not even thinking of. Uh, we're, we're a little bit away from getting there, but this stuff's going to come up on us real quick, Connor. I mean, this approval is coming in the next, let's call it two weeks, you know, at, I would, I would guess at most in the next two weeks that approval is going to be happening and they got to go, you know? So this, we're, we're going to get some real, some real names in the next week to two weeks. Um, but I'll, I'll use Andy's uh, speculated names as at least a guideline to start with. Yeah, it's tricky, right? There, it's one of those rare things where it doesn't seem like there's an obvious candidate. It doesn't seem like there's a favorite. It doesn't even seem like it's down to this group of two or three that we feel comfortable about. The name I hear the most, and then just from following Twitter and everything else, is Billy Owens. I think the ties with Sandy are very good. You make a great point, Joe. We always do this as sports fans or, or people in the media. You know, you often go like, oh, this guy, this guy, this guy. Might not be mutual, right? And sure, the Mets are as, as attractive as they ever could be. They got money. They are big market. They want to be a big operate like a big market team again. Steve Cohen is taking care of employees. He's looking to make hires. They're looking to go buy some players. Uh, that if you believe what you read, they have a good team. I mean, the thing is, like some people, I'm pretty sure Owens is a West Coast guy. Number one, uh, I listened to a really long interview that he did, and it was great. I mean, he's the guy lives in baseball, right? And it would be a hire that I'm personally excited about. You know, there's all the ties when you look at a guy like Epstein because of the timing of the contract, how he's publicly come out and said the whole 10 years at a place kind of thing. Uh, he's an opportunity to, you know, win another uh, World Series trophy starved big market club. Like he can go build that. I don't know what to expect. You know, I really don't. And, and I think I. I have done a lot of digging on Cohen for a couple months now. You know, if you, if you listen to the show, you knew Sandy was coming back before really anyone did. And the sense I get, and this is something to feel very good about, Cohen is going to let Sandy do his job. It's not like, like Cohen is a baseball fan, right? Like us. And Cohen, like us, is probably like, oh, Theo Epstein's the, the dude we always hear about. But Sandy Alderson might be sitting there and going, I don't need to go pay Theo Epstein this amount of money to come here. And, and basically, I'm out of the operation at that point because Theo Epstein, what Theo Epstein says is what happens. <laughs> he, he's probably looking for, like you always say, Joe, the next big thing, the next guy. So uh, it's exciting. It's interesting. And, and I honestly, you know, I don't usually feel this way. A lot of things with the Mets, but I have no idea what to expect. And it's like you said, it's going to be fast and furious. So, all right, this next question goes in a complete different direction from Chase Forbes. Do you think a meta Rosario can be the answer in center field next year? No, I do not. Uh, I, I, I think he would, this could be a quick, he, one. he would be wise to pick up a glove and start learning it. Uh, I, I would highly recommend. I 
don't know if Ahmed Rosario listens to the That's So Mets podcast, but I recommend he does. And if he does, I would say get some reps in. It wouldn't be a bad thing. But Rosario's going to be in a tough spot with this team. He might be trade bait. Like Francisco Lindor, if he's on the market, they're going to want a cost-controlled shortstop back. Ahmed Rosario could be a headlining piece of a Francisco Lindor deal. But if he is here, I'd advise him to learn some center field, learn a couple other positions, and put in the work because he's not a guarantee to be the shortstop here. Andres Jimenez may have passed him. It's it's tricky, right? When you look at Rosario's future, one, here's the issue with Rosario, here or wherever he goes. I don't know if he'll be viewed as a short, the franchise shortstop even if he gets moved, right? Like when you look at the like when you look at uh, Cleveland, right? They're a team that needs outfielders, honestly, right now. So if Rosario was in a package for, and if they move Lindor, sure they need a shortstop, but they have guys in their system too. It's just tough for him. Like he's in a spot where Jimenez looks way better at short. Jimenez was better hitter, which is even scarier. That's not that was not supposed to be the case. And I think for Rosario, it's man, I just I don't know really what you do with him going into next year. I I feel more confident out of anyone on the roster, I think Rosario will be traded. I really do. I, I think no one expected this from Jimenez this year, where now, you don't even need a backup shortstop if you go trade for Lindor, right? And the reason I say that is, I don't know, I don't think Cleveland is going to ask back for a ton of infielders. You know, they might ask for prospect infielders, but I'm talking about NFL, uh, NFL MLB-ready players in the outfield. I just look at Rosario and go, man, he, he might have to go to center for his baseball career, not for his Mets career. So, I don't think he's the answer in center for the Mets, I think the Mets would not do that. I think if they don't go get a George Springer or whoever it may be that would be a better option, I think they just keep Nimmo out there and look for a fourth outfielder to spell him. It's not I'm not a fan of that experiment at all, but it just is what it is while they wait for some of their top draft picks to try to come up for center field. So it's tough for Rosario right now. You feel bad. You know he's got talent. And I, I think it just—I my gut feeling is it will not be here long term. So, next question is from Rob underscore Z underscore thirty one. Would it be wise for the Mets to send more prospects than typical to winter ball since they missed a year of development? So I don't know if they're doing you know the Dominican Winter League, the Venezuelan Winter League. I haven't heard any updates about that. So typically you would have. So I'm, I'm not sure how much that is happening uh but i know in australia they're having some winter ball and francisco alvarez is going there uh to play some winter ball so yeah i mean in theory if if these things are happening i would i would love to but one thing the mets are doing is an extended instructional league that's going on right now in port st lucie i think it's probably like top 50 ish type guys in the system top 50 top 60 and they're down in port st lucie working out every day playing intra-squad games, doing drills. So they're kind of trying to make something work. Uh, So they're having a six-week instructional league. So they're in the middle of that right now. And, you know, Alvarez is there, but a bunch of guys are there. But, yeah, I I think to Rob's point, 
if there are winter ball options available, that it would be a good idea to get some guys down there because a year loss of development is is tough. It's unprecedented. Like I, I can't quantify how big of a deal it is for the long term, but because I haven't had it happen before, so I have I have no data to go off. But certainly, a guy like Matt Allen who this year probably will pitched in low A and then been in high A next year. What are you doing with him? Is he going to just do low A but a year later? Or are you going to say, we'll skip low A and go to high A and kind of challenge him? So it, it's going to make for some interesting where they, uh, where they assign guys next year. Like where do these guys go? Do they go based on where they would have went this year if there were a season? Or do you just say, well, we didn't get to see his development on the field, but we believe at instructs and spring training and then his off-season work that he's done enough to be at that next level, high A or double A or, you know, triple A, depending on what prospect we're talking about. So, yeah, sure. I, I think I'd be down for that. But they're trying right now and they're doing instructs and, and extended instructs more than they normally would. Yeah, it's it's tricky. Like you said, this is unprecedented, Joe. And I think with guys that they are high on, they'll challenge them, right? Like, and I don't know who necessarily those guys are. I hope it's Matt Allen, you would think. With how highly touted he was, it will be him. I think they will push guys like that, but they also won't throw them into the fire where it's like, oh, well, he, we moved him up a year earlier than expected and he stunk. Like, I think they'll be somewhat careful, but I think they'll understand who they need to challenge, uh, who they don't. And let's not forget, you know, this there'll be scouts there th- that are staying with the new regime, but some of these guys were not Sandy draft picks. So they were Brody picks. So there will also be a little bit of a, hey, let's see what we got and let's understand how each guy is built mentally and physically and and put them in the right spot. So it is going to be super interesting to keep up with the minor leagues next year. And our last question of episode number 10 here is from Chris Zapp. Can you guys give an update on where things stand with the minor leagues and realignment? How will it impact the Mets? This is a Joe question if I've ever heard one. <laughs> so uh, there's every team is getting rid of minor league clubs, and essentially MLB at this point is not having rookie ball anymore across the landscape. So the guys that get drafted in June, typically they'd sign sometime in July and then they would play, you know, a month for Brooklyn or Kingsport or the Gulf Coast League for the Mets. That's, you know, how that's happened. They had three short season teams. Uh, at this point, short season ball is no more. And, you know, the Appalachian League where Kingsport was is now going to be like a college wood bat league that's going to be aligned with MLB. So it's going to be kind of like another Cape Cod League, so to speak. But at this point, the expectation, it's not official, but... The expectation is the Mets minor league system next year will be triple A Syracuse, double A Brooklyn, high A St. Lucie, low A Columbia. That's it. Man, it's yeah. A lot, a lot of guys, super stripped. A lot of guys losing jobs, players, um, people that work at the stadium, people that work for these teams. Um, So it's, it's a real bummer, um, and it and, and it hurts guys. Uh, I mean, it's it just less guys get an opportunity. Like, if 
if the situation were like it were today, like a guy like Seth Lugo might never have made the major leagues. He was a, you know, 36th round pick or something like that. And, you know, he was drafted real late. Like he may have never gotten an opportunity and we would not know who that guy is and he'd be doing whatever he does. Um, so they're going to be losing out on some players doing this, but, you know, I, I get it. It's kind of, it's just the way the league's going. They're going to be shortening the draft. Um, this year it was five rounds. It's going to be longer than that next year. I think I'm hearing 20, um, but you, there's no more 40 round drafts. So you get, that's 20 players that you're not going to be drafting anymore. So uh, it's just a way of reducing how many teams there are, how many players there are, and try to keep the best of the best. And in theory, at some point in time, this should hopefully lead to the minor leaguers getting paid a little more. Um, so if there's less of them, you have a little more money to give because they, God, you hope they so, make right? nothing. Um, so I hope so for their sake because I, you know, I know a bunch of them and you know, friendly with some of them, and you know, I, I feel for them. Uh, it's it's a grind for sure. Um, and it's worth it when it pays off and you make the major leagues. But, yeah, the realignment kind of sucks. But, you know, it's it's where the game's going. So, yeah, the Mets will be down to to four minor league teams at this point. And basically everyone else will too. Oof, man, it's a big change. And it's, um, you know, like you said, hopefully good comes out of it. Hopefully they do increase payroll. I know, I know paying the minor leagues is just, it's wild. It's almost hard to live for some of those guys so it'll be interesting and that wraps up another episode and man it just feels like we're gonna get bigger and better news each week as the show goes on I, it was funny like a month ago I said to you off the air I'm like man you know we're not gonna stop because a lot of shows are, are shutting down for the off season. and when Joe and I created the show we're like let's not do that <laughs> let's put out at least an episode every single week because uh, we just that's what we believe in and I was like man you know October is going to be weird because the Mets aren't in the playoffs and you know who knows where and it just feels like there has still been news all the time there are always things to talk about so I'm really excited Joe closing thoughts yeah really excited and glad for everyone uh, tuning in and we're, we're getting more and more questions it seems every week so please follow at that so Mets pod follow me at PSL the flushing follow Connor at Connor J Rogers please rate subscribe review give us five stars that stuff really matters and connor before we really close out i know it's a mets podcast but the freaking world series starts in like an hour like who what <laughs> give me your world series prediction what do you got i mean i just want the rays to win if that's <laughs> I, now i think it i think the dodgers win i want the rays to win I also don't even care because I'm so happy it's not the Astros and the Braves, honestly. <laughs> like, I kept saying, I was like, I cannot. And there was a while where it looked like it was going to be an Astros-Braves World Series. And I'm like, man, this is horrendous if we get to this point. So I will take the Dodgers. Uh, and I think it's going to be a long series, Joe. I think we get to at least six games. I think we might get to seven I think Dodgers win, rooting for the Rays. How about you? I got Dodgers in six, also rooting for the Rays because I just love the way they do the thing. But the Dodge, oh, the amazing. Dodgers are the Mets model, man. That's what we're trying to be. We're trying to be the Dodgers. Player development big, spend big on major league team, just a combination of both. So, um, But I'm going, yeah, I'm going Dodgers in six. Love it. Absolutely love it. All right, everyone. Thank you so much. We will catch you next week. Introducing Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer. Blending the smooth, creamy nitro taste of Guinness with hints of coffee, chocolate, and caramel. Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer, your new favorite part of the day. 
Look for it where Guinness is sold. Must be 21 and over to purchase. Please enjoy responsibly. Diageo Beer Company, New York, New York. I'm Amira Rose Davis, host of the new season of American Prodigy, all about Black girls in gymnastics. My white coaches just said, you may not get the scores that you deserve because you're Black. It's the story of a decades-long struggle of Black gymnasts trying to find and amplify their voices. I can't be the next Simone Biles. I can't be the next Dominique Dodds. I can only be the next version of myself. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts.